In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped, looking downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, said to him in reply, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, What sort of things? They said to him, The things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group, however, have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are! How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke! Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was with them at table, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us, while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once, and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven, and those with them who were saying, The Lord has truly been raised, and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way, and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Our Gospel today, understandably so, is a message of hope for us. Certainly a message of hope for those two disciples as they were going on their way to Emmaus. It's reflecting the reality that as they were walking, it said that um, Emmaus is to the west. So they were walking not to the sunrise, which is always where Christians uh, would face. All right? uh, we, we look to the east. We look to the sunrise for the coming of the Christ. So rather than looking for the coming of the Lord facing east, they're facing west. They're walking away. 
They're even walking away from Jerusalem itself. These, are, of course, are, are symbolic realities that, that they've given up hope of looking for him. It even says that, you know, the, that we heard, you know, some people in our party said that he was raised up and he's alive. Some of our group went, they didn't see anything, so, you know, you know. And they said, and we had hoped, right? We were hoping he would be the one. And it sounds like the hope was no longer there, that it was over and done. We were hoping, but maybe we were wrong. We, it, it, just wasn't, it, it just wasn't the time. It wasn't the one. It wasn't this. It wasn't that. You know? And so they're going back defeated, walking probably with heads down, waiting to get back to the place where they intended to stay. And then you'd imagine there would be a time where they're trying to figure out, what do we do now? We had so much invested in this Jesus. What do we do now? It's in the midst of of that place of of confusion, of of loss, of, of despair, it seems, that the Lord Jesus shows up along the road and begins to walk with them. We don't know why they don't understand. We don't know why they can't see him as, uh, as they normally would to be able to see him as, well, this is Jesus. It would seem, you know, if you're walking along the road and someone you just spent the last year, two, three years with started walking beside you, you would recognize him. But for some reason, the Lord is veiled for their eyes. And he walks with them and he begins just to ask them questions. You know, what's happening? You know, what happened these days, right? They're beginning to, to kind of ask. Um, he's, he's pulling from the hearts of the two disciples on the way to Emmaus, pulling from them what's, what's going on? What's happening in your life? What are you feeling? What are you experiencing? What, do, what are your thoughts right now? What's going on? Right? And they begin to open their hearts, and Jesus begins to open his and you open his heart in the manner of explaining who the Christ is and how he was prefigured all throughout the Old Testament. The many ways in which the manifestation of the Christ was already prophesied, that it was already foretold. And so he's inviting them to recognize that they should hold on to their hope. That everything that is happening was already prophesied. It was already in the Lord's hands that he was mindful of all of these things, even if they didn't understand it. And their hearts begin to burn. They heart to have a great love for the Lord. The fire of love for God is rekindled within them. And they keep walking. And they get to the place where they're going to stay the night. And the Lord acts as if he's going to continue on, it seems. Because the Lord never forces himself upon us. He never imposes. He leaves us to open the door. And our blessed Lord is invited in to stay with them, to continue to speak with them. And it's in the midst of their meal, the breaking of the bread, that our blessed Lord is seen as Christ and understood. And at that point, the disciples immediately get up and fly to Jerusalem. 
the simple reality is that when the disciples were walking along the way, as Jesus was speaking to them, it's an encounter that certainly would be wonderful to experience for oneself. I myself have often desired to have uh, an encounter like this wherein Jesus could walk with me and just explain everything and, and my heart would catch fire. And then I realize that I have that opportunity every single day. But I don't think of it as such often. The reality is that what happens on the way to Emmaus is the story of what prayer should be like. That we go and we place ourselves in a posture of openness. Our Lord comes to us and he walks with us in the ordinariness of our life. Whether it's in our chapel, whether it's in our car, whether it's in our home, whether it's out in nature somewhere, when we stop to pray, our Lord is there with us. He's mindful of us and wants to walk with us. Oftentimes He invites us by the opening up of our hearts. Just as our Lord was inquiring with the two disciples about what was happening in Jerusalem. Tell me these things, as if He doesn't know already. Tell me what's happening. And in the update of the news, essentially, it's not so much an update of the news, it's a manifestation of the reality of those disciples' heart. Or this, this is what happened. Here's the news part. But here's, here's how I'm responding to it. Here's how we are responding to it as disciples. And the Lord is able to speak. When we go to pray, this is what we ought to do. To be able to go before our Lord and to open our hearts to walking with him. To be present to him and allow him to be present to us, oftentimes in ways unknown to us, ways mysterious to us. Sometimes it may seem that the Lord is quiet, that he's not there, that he's not listening. But always he is there. God often it's we or who are the ones who miss the signs. And he calls us to really open our hearts. To really speak to him. Prayer has often been called uh, cor ad cor loquitur, a Latin phrase meaning heart speaking to heart. To be able to tell Jesus exactly what is taking place within us. Certainly we can give the news, we can give the Lord the update of what's happening in our life. But in doing so, to be sure to tell him how we're responding to it. Are we filled with hope? Are we filled with fear? Are we filled with doubt or despair? Are we hanging by a thread? Are we on solid ground? Where do we stand in these things? And to allow our Lord to come to speak. Prayer necessarily sets us on fire. We may not necessarily feel it in an emotional sense, but one cannot be in the presence of the burning heart that is the heart of Jesus Christ without also being set aflame oneself. The necessity of prayer. And to recognize that Jesus will never force anything upon us. 
in the midst of our prayer, sometimes we can, we can push back or hold back or be fearful even of what God may invite us to, may ask of us, may demand of us maybe sometimes. But Jesus always will give us the option. He always walks with us and waits for us. He who has immense gifts in store, waiting for us to be able to open our hearts to receive them. And when we do, we find him. We're able to see with the eyes of faith, the eyes of our heart, and to know that it is Jesus. Has there been a point in your own life where you can recognize that your heart was burning in prayer? Maybe it was in your own personal prayer and praying with the scriptures. Maybe it was in praying a rosary. Maybe it was a profound experience of community or adoration or a moment at Mass or an insight into something in in a book or a video or uh, maybe even a homily um, where the Lord was very clearly speaking to you in a way that just lit your heart on fire with joy, with love with divine love. It's good to remember those moments. It's good to remember those moments when our hearts burn with love for Jesus because they are moments to remind us later on down the road when things are less exciting, when things are more difficult, when the trials come, to remember that burning heart, that burning passion of love within us and to remember that Jesus is with us still. We know part of the the story of the transfiguration shortly before our Lord went to his cross. The reality of the transfiguration. That he was shown in dazzling white garments. And it's so that Peter, James, and John would be encouraged that they, in in the face of the cross, they would still be able to have faith and still be able to have hope. The Lord revealing something of himself and his glory. And the burning of our hearts can be a similar thing. Remember those moments. To contemplate them. To give thanks to God for them again. To go back to those same fonts that have been fruitful for us, that have nourished us, that have quenched our thirst when we hungered and thirst for God. To go back to them. And to be open to God moving in ordinary ways. This is another thing. Certainly in the, in the passage here, as the Lord is, is revealed, and as he, as, he veal, as he reveals himself to the disciples in the breaking of the bread, certainly it's first and foremost we should understand this is the, the Eucharist. I mean, this Eucharistic overtones, right? You know, the, the Lord took the bread, blessed it, broke it, saying, right? So all the, these common phrases that we hear um, throughout the scriptures every time the Lord's taking bread, but also for us as Catholics every single Mass, uh, we hear the this, this, this same progression of words of our Lord doing something. And yet it's to recognize that our Lord is also unveiled to them in what they anticipated as being a normal meal. They were just walking along. There happened to be somebody on the road. He happened to know a lot about the scriptures. And they happened to be willing to receive him into their home. 
to visit for a meal, to stay the night and speak some more. In the midst of those ordinary things, our Lord reveals himself. It's for us, too, to recognize that the Lord is with us, especially in the ordinary things as well. While indeed we hunger and thirst for a return of our, of our normal life of worship as a community, to return to the Mass and the sacraments and, and the, the, the communal gathering, to be able to rejoice and to lift up our hearts as a community before the Lord, but to recognize also that the Lord, even though we are not here gathered together, the Lord still is walking with us. In a sense, there's almost maybe a privileged way. I recognize that it is the disciples who were gathered in the upper room who were all waiting. But who were the ones to whom our Lord appeared first? Mary Magdalene, by herself at the tomb, right? To the two disciples on their way to Emmaus. It's to recognize and I think to give us hope in this time where we're not able to be in the upper room that is our church, that is our chapel, that is our common place of worship, but to recognize that nonetheless, wherever you are, at your home, in your car, about your work, about your day, that it does not mean the Lord is not there with you and waiting to reveal himself to you. Indeed, our blessed Lord walks with us in many veiled ways and he wants us to see him he wants us to receive his gifts that he has in store for us but that requires the opening of our hearts so my invitation to you and not just to you but also to me is to do three things first Make a commitment to spend time in prayer every single day this week. Whatever kind of prayer that looks like. Of course, we've got the daily rosaries and things going on that we have here at the church. But I would encourage you also to spend some time in your own personal private prayer. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, an hour, six hours, whatever you like. Pray. Speak to the Lord the news of your life. Speak to the Lord the things of your heart. Speak heart to heart with Christ. You can come anytime. The church is open, uh, basically sun up to sundown here at St. Anne. Uh, The chapel has the code that you can get in anytime. If you're worried about actually getting in the church and touching things, you're welcome to come and to do as Archbishop Sheen uh, was wont to do. He who committed to praying a a holy hour in presence of the Blessed Sacrament every single day of his priesthood. And often that meant sitting on sidewalks outside the church. Often it meant sitting in a car uh, in proximity to our Lord because he couldn't get in. Um, But he simply went to be near our Lord. So if you want to pull up next to the church or pull up next to the chapel and to spend time quietly praying to know that Jesus is near and that you are near to him, certainly a welcome gift but to pray. Most importantly, to pray. To speak to our Lord. When you're able to speak to Him, your heart will burn as He speaks to you. It may not be audibly, it may not be in any kind of way that you normally um, are aware of, 
but your heart will catch fire. It will continue to grow in divine love. The second thing I would encourage you to do is to consider a time when your heart was filled with love for Christ and with a profound hope in Jesus. And rejoice in that gift. Maybe to offer a glory be to the Lord for the gift that that was. If it was a certain reading from a book or, or uh, um, you know, a, a song that you heard or a scripture passage or uh, a, piece of, a piece of art you were praying with, a picture or something, revisit it maybe. Again, to go back to the font that has already been fruitful in quenching your thirst for the Lord and to allow your heart maybe to burn a bit more once again. And lastly, and this one's kind of abstract, but to seek to find the Lord in the ordinary. Because again, the Lord is with us at every moment of the day. The Lord shows himself in a whole variety of ways, in his goodness and in his love and his generosity. It could be in the care of our home. It could be in kindness shown to others. It can be in doing the normal things of our ordinary daily life. Maybe our, our, our work that we have to do for the day. In all of these things, if we do them for love of Jesus, Jesus will show himself to us. He will teach us and remind us that we are there right alongside him. And even though we can't see him, to know that he is there, I pray for you, as I pray for myself, is a great gift of hope. Our Lord Jesus wants to continue to lift up our hearts during this Easter season to remind us that he is not deaf to our cries, that he hears us, that he walks with us, and he desires to reveal himself to us. Soon we pray in the breaking of the bread. But until then, in the ordinary things of our daily life, to know that Christ is with us and he continues to call us to himself.